0: Freedom-loving patriots, fellow ultra-mega-mega-extremist Republican cult members. And yes, those clinging to their guns and Bibles. I'm your host, Becca Marie, along with Stella Padilla, and you're listening to Freedom Speak. Check out our website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can click on the radio replay link and listen to the playbacks of any of our previous shows. And also check out the resource page. You can get the podcast of this show on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Want to send us your questions and comments? Email us at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. And now you can listen and watch us live every Friday morning on our live stream on Facebook, Twitter, and Rumble from 9 a.m. to noon, and uh, the easiest way to get to that is to go to the website, freedomspeaknm.com, and click on the Rumble link. Rumble is my favorite platform. So I hope you all had a fantastic 4th of July week. I know I did, and um, it's a great time to spend time with friends and family, and just... Get your mind off of things for a few days. So I've been thinking a little bit about false flags. seems like we see a lot of those nowadays. So I thought I would talk about it and give you an idea. If you're not sure what a false flag is, um, give you some examples related to the things that we're seeing that are going on today. Let's start off with a definition I found at Britannica.com. It states that a false flag is a harmful, often militant, e- ac- event or action that is designed to appear as though perpetrated by someone other than the person or group responsible for it. False flag operations are often calculated to generate sympathy for the attacking or the attacked group. The term is sometimes used to describe a deliberate misrepresentation of one's motives, although this sense is less frequent in contemporary usage. It goes on to say that the earliest known uses of the term false flag... Referred to figurative, figuratively to a friendly flag flown by enemy ships in order to get within striking distance. The term first appears in a 16th century anti Roman Catholic polemic that claims Catholics pretend to faith while engaging in irregular activities. Texts over the next few centuries show that the term continued to be used in a religious sense until the 1800s, when it started appearing in a literal sense to refer to deception at sea. A well-known false flag event, is one I have mentioned before, occurred in August of 1939, when Nazi operatives disguised themselves as Polish soldiers and attacked a German outpost in, and I hope I pronounced this right, Gleiwitz, Poland, which Adolf Hitler used as a pretext for the invasion of Poland. Now, this is one. This one is my favorite. There was also an event that occurred in Nazi Germany in November 9 to 10 of 1938, which I consider a false flag. It was known as Kristallnacht, German for Crystal Night, also called Night of Broken Glass or November Pogroms. This was when German Nazis attacked, Germ- attacked Jewish persons and property. The name Kristallnacht refers ironically to the litter of broken glass left in the streets after these pogroms had occurred. The violence continued during the day of November 10, and in some places, acts of violence continued for several more days. The pretext for the pogroms was the shooting in Paris on November 7 of the German diplomat Ernst von Roth by a Polish-Jewish student, Herschel Greinspan. News of Roth's death on November 9 reached Adolf Hitler in Munich, Germany, where he was celebrating the anniversary of the abortive 1923 Beer Hall Putsch. Hope I said that word right. Their Minister of Propaganda, Joseph Goebbels, after conferring with Hitler, harangued a gathering of old stormtroopers urging violent reprisals staged to appear as spontaneous demonstrations. Telephone orders from Munich triggered pogroms throughout Germany, which then included Austria. Any of this sounding familiar? Just before midnight on November 9, Gestapo chief Heinrich Müller sent a telegram to all police units informing them that in shortest order, actions against Jews and especially their synagogues will take place in all of Germany. These are not to be inferred with, interfered with. Rather, the police were to arrest the victims. Fire companies stood by synagogues in flames with explicit instructions to let the buildings burn. They were to intervene only if a fire threatened adjacent Aryan properties. Does this sound familiar at all? Remember not too long ago when there were news reporters standing in f- front of buildings that were burning to the ground stating that it, were, it was mostly a peaceful protest? Do you remember that? <coughs> The rioters weren't being arrested. The buildings weren't being put out. Do you think they learned some lessons from this Nazi Germany stuff? I'm just wondering. In two days and nights, more than a thousand synagogues were burned or otherwise damaged. Rioters rioters ransacked and looted about 7,500 Jewish businesses, killed at least 91 Jews, and vandalized Jewish hospitals, homes, schools, and cemeteries. The attackers were often neighbors, some 30,000 Jewish males aged 16 to 60 were arrested. To accommodate so many new prisoners, the concentration camps at Ducha, Buchenwald, and Sach- Sachsenhausen were expanded. <clears throat> After the pogrom ended, it was given an oddly poetic name, Kristallnacht, meaning Crystal Night, or Night of Broken Glass. This name symbolized the final shattering of Jewish existence in Germany. After Kristallnacht, the Nazi regime made Jewish survival in Germany impossible. The reason I felt it was important this week to review a little history is because I believe we have possibly witnessed false flag events in our own country. Some events I have suspicions and others I am almost certain due to actual evidence that they are in fact false flags. I'll just name a few that come to mind. Some of these have been the topic of discussion of so called conspiracy theorists for years 9 11, the January 6th insurrection, the scamdemic, Sandy Hook, the Boston Marathon bombing, the mass shooting in Las Vegas, George Floyd, Pearl Harbor. I believe at least some of these events were orchestrated to influence the public to be more dependent on government, promote fear and control, promote wars, and build a case for government gun control. There are some good questions about all these events, and when these questions are asked, people are often referred to as crazy, tin foil hat lunatics. Their reputations are ruined. And in some cases, they are attacked by the legal system with lawsuits. The First Amendment doesn't seem to matter. With 9-11, I think we can agree that something definitely collided with the two trade towers. But you have to question, what's the odds of both buildings collapsing so perfectly Falling at free-fall speed, resembling exactly that of a controlled demolition. And what about Building 7, which was not hit by an airplane? It later fell in exactly the same perfect way. Do you remember any time in your lifetime a building collapsing in this way because it was on fire? I cannot recall a single time. After this happened, the Patriot Act was created, and we went to war with Iraq. The so-called January 6th insurrection, in which radical, bloodthirsty MAGA Trump supporters apparently conspired to break in and take over the U.S. Capitol armed with only flags and signs. Multiple news networks to this day are saying that these MAGA extremists killed cops on that day. None of these claims are backed up by any evidence. The only people killed were Trump supporters. There's proof that multiple FBI informants were planted in the crowd that were inciting the violence. By the way, none of these so-called insurrectionists had any guns. After this happened, hundreds of otherwise law-abiding citizens were rounded up and arrested, and the MAGA movement was made out to be a radical bunch of vigilantes. My favorite is the COVID demic. We were told that a deadly plague had spread across the entire world and unless you closed your business, stopped going to work, stayed in your house, stopped going to church, wearing a mask of any kind, and staying socially distanced from others, you were going to die in a winter of death. All of this scared the crap out of almost anyone and they complied. In fact, many people became willing agents of the government and participated in imposing the government's will on others. Soon after, most people blindly, without question, stuck out their arm to have an experimental drug injected into them. There were plenty of people speaking out against what was going on and exposing the fraud being perpetrated on the world, including myself— but they were censored and canceled by a social and mainstream media under the direction of the government. We know that's a fact. Hundreds of thousands of people were denied life-saving treatments, and others were given treatments to ensure their deaths. All for profits being made by hospitals, big pharma, and I'm sure politicians receiving kickbacks. People were made to believe the scam due to inflated death numbers, falsified medical studies, huge amounts of propaganda, and covered up information. The result of this? The trampling of constitutional rights was normalized. The population was reduced. And patriots were removed from the workforce. Then... There are mass shootings such as Sandy Hook and, Bo- and the Boston Marathon. These events that actually did happen, there were, however, photos of some of the same victims at these events and others. Alex Jones exposed this and referred to them as crisis actors. For exposing this information, he was dragged into court and had his bank account totally drained. There was also the mass shooting in Las Vegas in which a single individual supposedly removed a window from a Vegas hotel and shot multiple people on the ground from a great distance. Lots of the questions were never answered about this incident, and the whole thing has been forgotten. What did result from these events is that there was increased discussion about infringing upon the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens. There are those questioning the bombing of Pearl Harbor during World War II. A lot of things just don't add up. The results of this attack was that the United States entered the war. Lastly, I want to mention George Floyd. I can't help but to notice the strong similarity of what happened after this incident and the night of broken glass from Nazi Germany. Was this a crisis that the enemies of a free country such as ours wanted to exploit? Were the initial riots orchestrated with paid protesters? Which snowballed into more riots, simulating that the whole thing was organic? Was this all part of the overall plan to ensure that Donald Trump would not be reelected? Were people such as George Soros, Klaus Schwab, and others financing all of this? After this, Trump was not reelected. Joe Biden is now the resident of the White House, and the march towards the New World Order has accelerated. The point I'm making here is that we are being manipulated to accept having our freedom taken away a little at a time. I want to finish with a quote by James Madison. I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments by those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. There you go. Stella, what do you think?
1: All these red flags and sometimes people just can't see them. Or they overlook them or they accept them. They're very accepting of them.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think people, I think, like I've mentioned before, I think people are really busy living the American dream. (laughs) And
1: it's turned into an American nightmare with inflation and everything that's going on, you know, all the sex trafficking of children and America being so deeply involved in it. It's turned into the American nightmare for me.
0: Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring um, into our discussion our guest that we have in the studio with us, John Herr. John, you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
2: Good morning, and uh, Becca, thanks for having me this morning. Thank you. Um, Yes, my name is John Herr. Um, I'm from Rio Rancho, from Sandoval County, and uh, I I appreciate participating in this. I've been a uh, lifelong um, citizen of New Mexico. Uh, I went to elementary school in Santa Fe, uh, Junior High School in Taos, college in Las Cruces, and I've lived in uh, Rio Rancho, Albuquerque, uh, sandoval county area for about 30 years um one of the one of the reasons that i i, I want to introduce myself is i'm running for uh sandoval county commissioner for district two and uh i could really use your um your support but um as far as the, the red flags go uh one that hits kind of close home close to home for me is the um the covid pandemic And um, I have some direct experience with it because my elderly mom was going through care at that time. And um, uh, we had a number of uh, nurses. We we had experience in the hospital at that time. You know, they do this very detailed screening when you went into the hospital and issue a mask to you, make sure you're not sick, going to uh, uh, contaminate anyone. And then you get escorted up to the room where your loved one is being kept. And you find out that you don't have to wear a mask. She doesn't have to wear a mask. The nurses were lackadaisical about masks. And at the time, this was early before the vaccine was even really rolled out. um, They would um, clearly indicate that COVID was, it was real. But the fact was many of the nurses had had it at least twice or three times. They just had to work through it and they didn't see it as any, particularly more dangerous disease um <clears throat> i would also uh, elaborate in that they were often uh wearing ppe that was very advanced right so they were wearing coverings positive pressure suits things like that to try to avoid being infected and they were still getting infected mm-hmm. and um i i could go on and on about this but the long story is um, the fear was emphasized well above any sort of practical real world thing that was going on and um and and i i should clarify i did lose a friend uh, two friends of mine to covid um they were very uh extraneous circumstances they both had uh, pre-existing conditions and and it's it, it's it was a terrible loss my mom being 90 some years old um and uh, full disclosure, my mom and I took the vax. My mom was a retired nurse. She was an RN. And, um, you know, uh, you pretty much do what, the, what you're told. If the government says this is a good thing to do, you go and do it. And I did it because I was concerned about infecting my mom. This is before we figured out that the vaccine did not prevent transmission. It did not even prevent infection. It didn't do really anything. And she uh, she didn't. Due to other circumstances, she didn't live that long to even get exposed to COVID. But um, anyway, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this other than...
1: I think the fact that they terrorized everybody into saying, oh, you're going to kill your grandma because, you know, she's older and has, some, you know, some conditions. So people panicked and they didn't want to kill their grandma. Uh,
2: that, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, my experience with that continues on with, uh, you know, she was in a care facility for some time. I, I went over my hospital experience, but she was also in a care facility. And um, this was, a, like I said, this was at the very beginning of the, of the pandemic scare. Um, so she's in a care facility, and they have very strict COVID protocols. And so what would happen is if one patient tested positive, they didn't have necessarily have a patient or a staff have symptoms, they would keep family members out for a minimum of two weeks. And if during that two-week period someone else got infected, they'd keep you out another two weeks. And what became clear to me um, immediately is that um, the, real ve- the real vector, the way the virus was getting into these facilities was through fully vaccinated staff members. It wasn't getting in through family. Family wasn't allowed in. Spike protein shedding. Yeah. It, it had nothing to do with, um, with the vaccine was not keeping the infections out because all the staff was required to be vaccinated, screened, and wear PPE, and none of that was effective. I'd also question, you know, um, the virus is so lethal and scary and, and uh, uh, infectious. Why weren't masks and PPE treated like biohazards? Why weren't they all incinerated instead mm-hmm. of being left to blow around on the street? You know, and people were lackadaisical. You know, I was a germaphobe before COVID came along. I've always used, um, you know, alcohol stuff on my hands and whatever. And I was always leery of, of, you know, I don't like being sick. Nobody does. But I found a lot of contradictions with the way I saw the public interacting with COVID. You know, we... Uh, I'll give you one one very simple example. So we shared terminals, whether it was an ATM machine or a, or a credit card scanner, or what, at the grocery store. Yeah, or putting gas in your car. Gas in your car. Yeah. And factually, and anybody who's being honest will tell you that if you spray a disinfectant on something like that, if it's bleach water or some other advanced disinfectant, it takes minutes to destroy whatever's on there. I don't care if it's a virus or bacteria or what. You can't just wipe the terminal down and let the next person use it. Yeah. That's nonsense. But you know, we were I, doing that.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I remember, I remember, of course, I never wore a mask. I never got the jab. I, I never got any of that. I never, I never took any of it seriously. And I, and I had a guy ask me one time, You don't really take this very seriously, do you? I says, No, I don't. <laughs> and I remember one time I went to uh, Walmart and they were wiping down all the carts. Before they were putting them away, wiping down the handles on the carts. I grabbed a cart out of the parking lot and I come in with it. Well, it's like, we haven't sanitized that. And yes, I don't care. And I rubbed the handle, rubbed it all over my face. I said, see, I don't care. And I walked on in.
1: She's <laughs> such a rebel. I am. I, I, um,
0: <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'm fine. And I got, to, I got the Rona uh, once uh, back in, <clears throat> let's see. Jan- January of 2020 I got
2: got the rona you were an early adopter
0: yeah and uh, I it just lingered on and on for weeks and I treated it as if it was a cold and which is good because I'd been loading up on vitamin C and zinc and all of those things that actually are t- proper treatments for covid because a cold is covid by the way Yeah. Um, this is just a different strain, okay? I went to the doctor finally after about five weeks. I had a friend said, you know, Becca, you should probably go to the doctor because this isn't going away. Because I, I had the cough and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I had stuff oozing out of my eye sockets and everything. It was just really miserable. So I went to the doctor, and he checked me out. And he said, well, he said, you know, I don't know. He said, I, I, think, he said, I think you got some kind of um, respiratory Infection of some kind, I said, yeah, and uh, so he he gave me a Z pack. I went home, continued the other things I was doing with the vitamin C and the zinc, took the Z pack two days later, I was fine but and I've mentioned this a number of times. I believe that that the fatalities and the people. Uh, getting sicker and dying and all of that kind of stuff, those numbers were pumped up intentionally because we know that treatments were withheld. We know that iver, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine were forbidden. You could Suddenly, these harmless medications that were popular and had been used for decades, suddenly they were dangerous. We know that they eliminate covid matter of fact they eliminate the common they eliminate the flu in general ivermectin does
1: well and another thing they they were uh finding doctors that would dare give you ivermectin or something else (laughs) to help you with it they were just cutting it all off and i asked myself if if this you know virus is so dangerous why hasn't it all the homeless are still there all they never disappeared they share needles they live on the street they eat expired food sometimes and they 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 Cleanliness is not the best. You know, they are they live really off the dirt, sort of. And they were fine. None of them died. Yeah. You would think they would have all disappeared during the pandemic.
0: So uh, I, I, I think that, I, I think the whole scamdemic was used as a, I mean, look at all of the negative things that came out of this, okay? We saw during the course of that, and the reason I brought up false flags is we saw during the course of that, constitutional Constitutionally protected rights Suspend. being trampled, suspended, left and right. And suddenly people were not – paying. I was, I was speaking out about it. A lot of people I know were speaking out of. A lot of people in, in the talk radio business were talking out – speaking out about it. Um, we were protesting against it. We were standing on the street corners with signs. We were protesting. We were trying to, trying to inform people. Rights do not go away. Because of an emergency. People need to understand that. Rights are rights. Rights cannot be taken away by the government. The government has given people the idea that rights can be suspended.
1: No, rights
0: don't work that way.
1: They don't. But you know what was amazing is the
0: whole world,
1: not just the United States, the whole world, all their rights were taken. Everybody's under masks. The UK right now is considering getting people back under the mask and six feet apart. Yeah, he said it's very easy to do. We tried it, you know, with this random COVID thing that went around, and everybody fell into it. They all wore their masks. They stayed six feet apart. They did exactly what we told them. It's going to be so easy to do this again, and they will fall into line again.
2: Well, and the the global aspect part of it was used as a as a lever against American citizens, right? So, it would help people rationalize that. Well, it's not just the United States; it's Europe; it's everywhere; it's Australia. And some of those countries went really bananas and actually put their citizens in camps. Mm-hmm. We are fortunate that you know they, our lawmakers, or if you want to call them that, they were reluctant to push that far, and maybe they couldn't, right? Maybe that would have been the breaking point. But factually. Um, what really struck me and you you mentioned it, uh, Becca, was the uh, top down control that was inflicted across uh, from from federal government to state government locally in in where I live. I told you about the care facilities, yeah they had no um, control over what they were doing. they had no choice with go ahead and finish your thought. oh they Just had, had no choice. <laughs> of uh, of changing their protocol for who could visit, who couldn't. So many people died alone. Many of the the elderly died alone because the rules were inflexible.
0: So everybody, you're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca, Marie, and Stella. Uh, We're going to take the break. And then after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about Stella and I both went and saw that new movie, Sound of Freedom. And we got some comments to make about that. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Do you need a trailer to haul something around? Check out my friends at JP Trailer Sales. They've been doing business in Albuquerque for seven years. Whether you're hauling cars, landscaping equipment, dirt, or your favorite off-road toys, JP Trailers has the perfect trailer at a great price to fit your needs. They have open trailers and closed trailers and can even do special orders. You'll always receive great, friendly customer service and no appointment is ever needed. Stop by their location at 7605 San Pedro Drive Northeast in Albuquerque, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5 p.m. You can also call them at 505-469-1667 or 505-557-8164 or check them out on the web at flatbedtrailersusa.com. Did you realize that our skin is the largest organ of the body? How often do we pay attention to what it's telling us? Hi, I'm Tomei with Skin LLC, and we don't just cover up imperfections, we heal them. Our skin being the largest organ of the body tells a story. Beauty and skin alike are often overlooked because we get overwhelmed with so much daily input. You can learn your own skin and beauty story through the customized treatments we provide, personalized just for you. Let us give you the education, healing, rejuvenation, and restoration to support your journey
2: call or text 505-918-4211. Mention this ad for free phone consultation and visit our website at abqskinllc.com. That number again is 505-918-4211.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong. Located at 5310 Homestead Road, Northeast, call us at 505-292-2226.
0: Would you like to advertise your business right here on Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella? get in on the ground floor with insanely low prices and become one of our preferred advertisers lots of fellow patriots would love to do business with you all ads include free production of your commercial using your own voice or ours your ad will run on all of our live streams and podcasts on multiple platforms our audience is growing by the day send your info to becca at freedomspeaknm.com to get started Would you like to move on from being a keyboard warrior to owning your own media? I'm Floyd Sisko with Spoken Words in New Mexico. I can take your event to the next level by providing cameras, microphones, video switchers, and other hardware to turn your event into a professional production. See what I've done for others and what I can do for you at rumble.com slash spoken words New Mexico. To get started, send me an email at spokenwords.nm at protonmail.com. Again, that's spokenwords.nm at protonmail.com. Welcome back to Freedom Speak with Becca, Marie, and Stella. We've got our guest John Herr in the uh, studio here with us today. I want to talk a little bit about this uh, movie that came out, Sound of Freedom. And I went and saw it a couple days ago. Stella saw it. And interesting thing is, uh, on the opening weekend of this movie that it it had a larger ticket sale than the new Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> that says something. I, I really do. I think that says something. I, I think that says that people are asking questions and they want answers and they want to know what's going on. I think I think maybe people are coming out of just living their American dream and they're and they're they're trying to see what's going on around them.
1: Well, and that movie was an eye-opener because a lot of people, like you said, live the, they're living their life, the American dream, and they don't realize what's going on. And they've heard of a deduction here and or something, but they don't know the, the gravity of it. I mean, it's a $150 billion a year industry. That's how much these people are, especially the cartel, are gaining. So it makes sense to why Biden would leave the border open because all those un, uh, unaccompanied minors that they call them that came with their little backpack by themselves for five-year-olds seven-year-olds you know why why would they be allow children to travel by themselves well they're not traveling by themselves they're accompanied by a, a adult cartel members who sell mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. at the border, you know? And it's not just the border, it's the United States also. I mean, it's, it's a popular thing now. It's, it's a better economy, or they make more money now than selling heroin or, or fentanyl, everything that's killing Americans. There's more money in child sex slavery,
0: which is pathetic. Well, you know, the open border policy of the Biden administration is actually promoting... The child sex trafficking business. There's, I I mean, you hear about back when there was slavery in America, when slavery was legal. And you had African-American people that were brought here and they were slaves. And the thing that doesn't get talked about a lot is the fact that a lot of these people, it's not like, It's not like the slave traders were just going over to Africa or wherever they were going. Africa, which, by the way, is a continent. It's a lot of countries within the continent of Africa. Going there and just rounding people up and putting them on the ships. It didn't work that way. From what I understand, the way it worked is they would actually go to the tribal leaders over there. And the tribal leaders would sell some of the people from their tribe to the slave traders. You know, they were making money off of this. It's like things have not changed. People are still doing, they're willing to do anything for money nowadays. Anything. I was, I was listening to, um, they were talking about a survey they did the other day in which they were talking about how much money some would, someone would take to say, kill their mother. Hmm. It's like, if I gave you Four million dollars. Would you be willing to kill your mother for four thousand dollars? Four million dollars. Most people said they would. This is really sad. Really sad. Mm-hmm. And so they lowered the bar. They kept lowering the number to find out how little money you would be willing to to do this—to kill your best friend, or or kill your spouse, or kill your mother. Um, every and it turns out that most people have a price. So. You know, you wonder why a lot of people do these evil things, and it has to do with money. Mm -hmm. For enough money, you know, like you hear about the Bidens, receiving tens of millions of dollars. Everybody in their family is receiving money. For what? What service have they performed to raise millions of dollars? Nothing. You know, speaking about the movie again,
1: I know it's centered around two children. You know, like, I think, what were they, Ecuador or... Venezuela, they're from... Yeah, yeah, not even Mexico, you know, because they sent them to Mexico Mm -hmm. to get sold. But it centered around two children. At first, I was really annoyed by that because there's millions of children disappearing. And then they told me, well, it took five years for them to get this movie released. So this was went back when the slavery was really starting. Now it's expanded to I mean a huge volume, so much more, millions of children missing now. But uh, it, it did take them five years. Mel Gibson. And uh, who was the main actor? James uh, Covellier? It took them five years. They had already produced the movie. They couldn't get it released for anything, and now it did. So now it's antiquated. You know, it's it's not anything like what's really happening now.
0: Yeah. Apparently the there is more slavery going on right now than there was than there was when slavery was legal. And you know, you wonder what the Bidens are receiving tens of millions of dollars for. And then you notice you notice this policy of these open borders, which most people don't think make any sense. It's like, why in the world would you do this? Why would you open up the borders and then lie about it and allow all of these people to flood in? I mean, we're having and you're encouraging this activity to go on more. You're actually produce, you're actually producing a market is what you're doing. You're producing a market in which there is a demand. Because there's a lot of, you know, pedophiles out there that will spend large amounts of money for little children. You know what broke my heart? Is
1: that during the movie it said that the U.S. is the biggest consumer of this product of of slavery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How sick is that? So what Biden has done is he has produced a market. Mm -hmm. There's this huge market. Now, I mentioned about how slavery, when it was legal... And African-Americans were being brought over here. Africans were being brought over here. And they were being sold by their tribal leaders to the slave traders. Well, there are people in third world countries that are so incredibly desperate that remember how I said for enough money people would do things? Well, in, in third world countries, that price is much, much lower. You know, you don't have to give them millions of dollars to get them to do something. It can be a, what we consider a pretty small amount of money to sell one of their children to one of these cartel members. Well, what about well, if you—, you Because see, out of desperation. Yeah. Go ahead, like John. You,
2: like you said, everyone has a price. Yes. And that that's a very interesting thought experiment. It's more than a thought experiment, but it demonstrates how, um, well— um, How flexible our morals are, if there are any, right? Because people are willing to, like you said, murdering your mom would be, like, forbidden. You know, you remember that used to be, those used to be fighting words. You'd say, you don't say anything about my mom, ever. But, you know, now people are willing to do that for the almighty dollar. And uh, one of the moral or or logical breakdowns to me is that people have equated dollars to wealth, and it's really not. Mm -hmm. There's so much money in circulation— They've printed the printing press has run now for decades and there's money everywhere, right? Like we, like we alluded to with COVID, um, people have a really high level of comfort in this country. They have a, they have a disposable income, uh, compared to other countries, right? Mm-hmm. It's all relative. Yeah. Well, you know, the average home has two or three TVs, uh, two or three bedrooms. So we live pretty nice. It's pretty cozy. Um, So they do have money to disposable income to spend on things that they probably shouldn't, including uh, the child sex trade. And those perversions aren't anything new to me. Um, There's documentaries going back to the 70s, uh, 70s, 80s. That's when we started. I guess that's when really TV started to take off, right? So we were documenting everything with television. There were entire sex rings in the Chicago area and other places that were known neighborhoods where they would abduct kids and do whatever they wanted to do. Well, now they've just taken it to uh, the 2023 level where they are importing them just like no different than you would import a a cheap guitar from China and rebrand it and resell it for a profit or or fentanyl. And and it's just another, it's a skin trade that's bad. You know, when I was, um, let's see, when was that? It was the late 70s when I lived in Santa Fe. Uh, We used to come down to Albuquerque, my family and I, my mom and dad. And we would shop at the at one of the big malls here. Um, uh, around that time, there was that movie called Adam, right? I don't know how many people remember the movie Adam, but it was about a little boy who was abducted and probably sexually assaulted and killed by a sex offender. And they were trying to bring awareness that, you know, it's kind of weird how the world's changed. Because back then, they wanted to raise awareness. This is the mainstream media. They were raising awareness about the the child sex trade and how children are sometimes killed for that reason. Well, anyway, my story about coming down here to shop in Albuquerque at a mall. I was in a toy store. And I had just seen that movie. It scared the crap out of me. I was like nine years old. And and I was walking around... And uh, I noticed this guy, this, you know, this grown up man took an interest in me from a distance and I was just walking down an aisle. Well, I rounded a corner and the guy tried to grab me. We were right at the back of the store by an exit. Wow. And I saw it coming. So I kind of jumped into the toys and like went around him and he booked it out the front of the store. And I got away. I, have, I mean, I don't know what would have happened if I wasn't paying attention because he could have just grabbed me and hopped out that exit. And it's just terrifying. And to see that, you know, that was a time when they went to, you know, malls to try to steal kids and probably elsewhere. I don't really know. But now they don't even have to do that. Now they can connect on a forum. They can connect on a cell phone. They can connect some way to a known trafficker, I assume, and well, it's being facilitated by this by how lucrative it is well and that, open the borders are.
1: That's true. And, you know, it's, it's become so easy to steal them because every kid has a cell phone. He's always on it. Most kids can't cross the street without an app, you know, on the cell phone. So they, they're they always on there, and they're not aware of their surroundings. Their little mind is just melting into this cell phone, and they walk around looking at it all the time and don't even notice that somebody's stalking them or looking weirdly at them,
0: you know? And you no. know my opinion on kids and smartphones. Yes, I know.
2: Yeah. Well, adults for that matter. You know, how many times you go to a restaurant and see two adults both on their phone? You know, why would you guys bother to meet for lunch? You could have just stayed at wherever you were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you phone. get to the
1: whole family's on the cell phone, the mom and the dad, the two kids, everybody's, and the waitress is waiting patiently to see if they're going to order because they're all on their phone, you know?
0: Yeah. Remember that Remember that video that was circulating around on social media uh, some time back in which there was a woman. she was in a mall. and the mall had a, a fountain in the middle of the area there. and she's walking along staring at her cell phone, not paying attention to anything going on around her, and she just trips and falls right into the fountain. I thought it was hilarious myself. <laughs> it's like, and, and apparently this lady got really, really upset because people thought it was funny. It's like, well, well, you idiot, why aren't you paying attention to while you're walking? You know? Yes, it was funny. Sorry. It, yeah. Make, I, am I insensitive? No.
2: <laughs> no, it is funny. It is funny. Especially you do, self-inflicted stuff is the best, right? Yeah. You guys did that. Yeah. I mean, um, it, and, and, you know, it also comes to me. i we I've had this discussion with um with uh, friends of mine, with kids. You know, nowadays, it's almost a requirement by the school system even that you have a smartphone. I remember when I was going through school, you weren't allowed to have a calculator, right? Me was, too, which wasn't even close to what a cell phone is. Mm-hmm. and And my claim is, well, somehow I made it. Somehow, I'm a functioning member of society, Isn't and I that didn't have a cell, a smartphone with me all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I had to, you know, if you were out after dark, say, as a teenager, you were expected to call, you know, that ancient thing, old, you have to go up to a phone and a pay phone and actually call home to give you, you know, estimate of when you'd be around. Yeah. If you were out. Yeah. You know, and that was still rare. We also, and it's really going to date me, but, you know, used to come home and have family dinners without phones at the table, right? So... You know, you had you had discussions, some of them comfortable, some of them not, about what's going on in your life and, and the world, and I'm afraid that social aspect of the families is just, is damaged. It's gone. And and um, you really need to, uh, um, need cell phone jammers in your house, right? So if you enter the house, you should have to turn them off.
0: You know, I think there might be a market for that. I th- You've given me an idea for... The home jammer. You've yep. given me an idea for a business idea. <laughs> Parents can say, "Okay, it's dinner time. Everybody at the table. and They push a button. Cell phones are deactivated. Yeah. I love it." Well, you had a video one time that
1: showed what happened when they tried that. They put oh, I know cell phones away. And they, oh, they lost their minds. And they were yeah, they couldn't even eat. And they were a little ting came on. They go, "Well, I just want to see who texted. And she said, "No." And the mother said, "No, we're going to have dinner." And she, would, the teenager, was just standing there like. And she couldn't stand it. They had locked it in a cookie jar, so nobody could get it. Huh? She went and then she
0: smashed it. The little girl, it's like. <laughs> (laughs) And ran. Wow! (laughs) These kids have some problems.
1: They have control. Yeah, parents are afraid to be parents nowadays. They want to be their friends. And they don't believe in discipline or it, correcting them in any way.
2: <laughs> that Dr. Spock is something I don't have. Not I'm Mr. Not, Spock, but yeah, Dr. Not, Spock. Yeah, yeah, not Mr. Spock. Not Mr. the guy Spock, with the pointy ears. No, Star yeah. Trek's a great show. Yeah. And it's different from raising your kids. Yes. But I believe it was Dr. Spock who said you're not supposed to jam- damage their ego or whatever. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't claim to be an expert in that. But um, that's been proven to be a fallacy that, that kids— do look for direction they do look for discipline they look for boundaries and they seek that out into the you know uh they actually all, respect that they respect that they need that so yeah. and i i do have some experience with this my my parents um were both foster kid foster parents in the state of new mexico back from the 80s on up and at one point they were recognized as one of the Uh, outstanding foster families in, in Northern New Mexico. If I could find the footage, it was, there's, they were interviewed by, I believe it was channel 13 back in the day. But anyway, um, those are the things that a lot of the foster kids would come out of environments that where they had no discipline. This is before cell phones, but they were allowed to run amok. And when my parents would come down on them for any sort of behavior, they would just love it, you know? It, it would blow them away, and that was something my parents explained to me was, yeah, kids long for boundaries. They wanna know where they are, and, and they will test them, right? So it gave me a view on how I behaved as a teenager, too. It's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that's what I was up to. But, um, yeah, it. They, it's I, th- I think they,
0: rec- they have far more respect for a parent which they believe is a, a strong figure Somebody you know, because if somebody's weak and it's like you don't really feel like they're that they're capable of standing up for you or, or being there for you, you don't have any respect in them. No. You know, kinda reminds me I, I've mentioned this before about kids in school. You know, I know when I was a kid there was always a bully. All the time. There was always a bully in school. And in my opinion, there is one good way to deal with a bully, and that is you stand up for yourself. And you beat the crap out of them. And then after that, they're no longer going to be a threat to you anymore because at that point, you have gained their respect. As a matter of fact, I I got picked on a lot in school until, you know, finally my mom told me, it's like, you know, I can't keep coming to the school and talking to the principal. You're going to have to deal with this. You know? And so one day, I just... Yeah. I just laid that kid out. and, and, And... and after that, you know, we became friends. Yeah, it's it's respect. It's and, about and he respect.
2: Probably he or she probably came from an environment where they yes. didn't have that at home, right? Right. And probably. I think, I think that would point to a number of our social problems that we have now, where where kids seek out gangs and and other social structures that provide that sort mm-hmm. of feedback. Yeah, where, yeah. To get into a gang, you have to let everybody beat you up or whatever. You're, there's a hazing period. Yeah, which yeah. is very similar to what what we're talking about. Yeah.
0: So, um, let's see. Okay. First of all, if you guys want to call in, if you're watching us live, you can call in. We'd love to hear from you. 505-444-5059. The phone lines are open if you want to call in. And uh, I want to, um, we're going to have a guest coming up in the second hour. His name is Mark Lohman, and he's author of a book called When Humans Roamed the Earth. And it has to do with transhumanism and what they're trying to push in all of us. So, make sure you're around for the second hour for that. I uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about <clears throat> these laws that are constantly being passed to protect Second Amendment rights. This is something that's been bugging me for a while, okay? I I got into a little bit of a disagreement with a good friend not too long back about concealed carry permits. It's like, okay, well... Doesn't shall not be infringed mean that you shouldn't be required to? Why do you need a permit? Why do you need to get a permit from the government in order for the government to grant you your right? Because people don't understand what a right is. Right. You know, a right in this country, we consider a right to be something handed down by God, something that you are you are inherently endowed with something that is not given to you by the government so if you agree with that the government can say oh yeah well you have a right to keep and bear arms but uh we're going <coughs> to require you to have a license in order to ma- can you see the contradiction there they don't okay. see oh, the, yeah. they don't it's, see
1: the red flag right there right in their face that they're keeping track of you by your the gun sales, the concealed... per, They know exactly who has a gun and what kind of gun you have so that when they come and try to take your guns, it's very easy because they have it all right there. It's all on the computer.
2: Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really... That's an important topic for me. You know, when it comes to the Second Amendment, it comes to any constitutional thing. I'm, I'm a I'm a purist. I believe that the Constitution says it all. And if you don't mm-hmm. like what it says, there's a means to uh, to alter that. And if you can't alter it, then you're supposed to let live and let live. You know, if you can't get rid of or change the Second Amendment, then the idea is we are all Americans and you— you respect what it says. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't destroy it by a thousand cuts by saying, "Well, yes, you have that right, but except under this circumstance, and this circumstance, and this one." And it goes both to concealed carry permits, which. Um, It's exactly that. You're giving a license so you can exercise your right. Right. And and it does not improve. And and the key measure for me is um, if it would improve public safety. There's other ways to do that, right? You can incentivize incentivize or, or help educate what gun safety is. Guns are part of our culture,
0: See, and, I, I, and they should be. Right, right, and I think you've made a good point there. I think there are things that government can do, but at the same time, they have to honor the fact that these, that your right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So whatever they do cannot in any way resemble infringement. Exactly. There, there are a number of things that they can do to enhance safety, but it cannot involve violating the constitution cannot involve violating right now conservative politicians they will and i don't think they have thought about this in the way i'm thinking about this basically by passing laws to protect your rights which you already have which are not supposed to be infringed upon you are in effect converting a right into a privilege a conditional
2: privilege so
0: what happens later on let's say okay so um they have these concealed carry permits okay i mean there are aspects of of the concealed carry permit process which are good things like firearm safety training i i'm all for firearms safety training but i am not for requiring firearm safety training in order to exercise, exercise your, your right okay that is a violation of your right there are, i'm sure there must be other ways to incentivize people to get firearm safety training without infringing upon rights so another thing is is about they're passing all these laws they're like they're passing um, open, they're passing constitutional carry states. Various different states around the country are doing that. Okay, what they are doing is they are opening up the door. They have, by doing this, by, by passing these constitutional carry state laws, they are saying that, oh, this is not a right, this is a privilege, and we are protecting your privilege by passing this law saying you are – you have a constitutional right to – care well, that, that's contradictory. That makes no sense when you think about it. It just makes, it makes my mind explode when I try to make sense out of that. So what if later on some crazy left-wing lunatic wins the election in that particular state? say, takes over the Congress, takes over the governorship, and they decide to strike down that constitutional carry state law. Well, since your right has been converted into a privilege, they strike down that law, and guess what? Guns are banned in that state.
2: You're back to fighting for your constitutional rights again, in a big way. Right? Like in a said. huge way, in a much bigger yep. way than before, because you've opened the door. Like they said mm-hmm. in Star Wars, it's a trap. Instead you...
0: <laughs> of, yeah, instead of how they should have done it from the beginning, saying no, I'm sorry, this is a right. You have no authority to put any kind of infringement upon this whatsoever. If they would have gone around it that way, say no, no, you can't pass this law because it's unconstitutional. Right. And you know, I had Stephanie Lord in here not too long ago, and we were talking about the recent legislation uh, session up in Santa Fe, and she made a very important point, and I think this is true of all the politicians in Washington as well. She says they don't care if it's unconstitutional. Their attitude, and they have told me this, is that, well, if... If you don't like it, you can sue us. You can take us to court later on. It's like there are no consequences for these politicians violating their oath, and that's what it all comes down to.
2: Yeah, you've touched on a very uh, key thing for me, and the politicians have have figured out that there are zero consequences for them. If they willingly—so if I willingly break a law, if I willingly do something malicious, it's— I'm strung up, right? I could go to jail forever. I don't care what the offense is. Yeah. If they willingly subvert the Constitution by passing a law that is without question unconstitutional, they even tell you it is. There should be there severe are, consequences. But there aren't any, and they've figured that out.
0: Yeah. There the, be... only,
2: the only consequence for them is that they wouldn't get elected again. That's their worst consequence. Right. But the way the media provides cover for them and everything they've done, they've done, you know, good work. And that's not true. It's I hard think the, to expose I them. I think and get the out.
0: consequence should be that they should immediately be thrown out of office Absolutely. for
2: violating their oath. Because you did violate your oath. You
0: violated your oath. We know it. So the, and and if and, and if it goes and if this is this should be the consequences. If this goes. To the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, nope, we're striking this down, it's unconstitutional. The politician
2: that sponsored that, that, bill, sponsored
0: that bill should be, obediently be thrown out of
2: office. Yes, and how do we, so how do we do that is my question. How do we make that happen? Because you need other lawmakers to have the same mindset, or should we ever have a constitutional convention or something, there should be a provision put in that says, if you do this this is what happens to you. You good, cannot...
1: Yeah. We wouldn't have any politicians in New Mexico. No. That
2: was the case. Well, that would <laughs> that be a good thing. That would be a great thing,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my. So, uh, coming up after the break, we've got author Mark Lohman coming on. I should, I'm going to get him on the phone here during the break. And he wrote the book, When Humans Roamed the Earth. It sounds kind of interesting. And I think I... I I, don't want, I, I think I want to talk about this topic a little bit more. If we don't talk about it in the next hour, we'll pick it up again in the third hour, because I think this is very important. I agree. Yeah, yeah. very important. Um, because there's there's more to this, because there's things in, currently in the news which apply to this. And I, I think it's important to talk about it today, even if we don't talk about it, anything else. <laughs> and it's Agreed. important
1: because they're turning it into a privilege... It can be taken away. Well, that's how, that's how they trick everybody
2: into it. We're focused on the Second Amendment, but it affects the First. Oh, and, and then I'm, it impa- Then it just it waterfalls down on. I'm gonna
0: over. get into that. Okay, so you're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after the break. <laughs>